This episode is brought to you by Evermill. Evermill makes the world's most elegant spice rack that features text-to-refill organic spices in compostable packets, as well as a suite of kitchen products that help you cook so you can focus on sharing meals with the ones you love. This episode is brought to you by Equipped. Equipped is a modern luxury fitness brand that creates stylish, compact, portable, and versatile fitness equipment that will inspire you to move anytime, anywhere, whether you have half a minute or half an hour. Stay tuned for some special offers from our amazing sponsors exclusively for Stairway to CEO listeners later in the show. Hello, everyone. It's Lee Green, and welcome back to the Stairway to CEO podcast. It's my mission to bring you real, honest, and unfiltered interviews with some of the most innovative founders and CEOs from all walks of life. We'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Stairway to CEO podcast. I'm your host, Lee Green, and this is episode 155. Today, I sat down with Ronit Menashe, the co-founder and CEO of WeNatal. WeNatal is the first prenatal supplement intentionally optimized for her and him. Female founded and backed by industry-leading functional medicine doctors, nutritionists, and fertility experts, WeNatal is on a mission to help couples navigate the increasingly confusing, stressful world of preconception with a clean, trusted product backed by clinical research. Ronit shares her story from growing up in Israel, where she traveled with her parents who owned fashion retail stores, to attending UCLA, where she studied psychology and math, to working in marketing at Nike and Hurley, to working in functional medicine with a leading doctor, which ignited her passion for health and wellness. We talk about how the miscarriages that both her and her best friend experienced made them question the root cause and inspired them to launch WeNatal. She talks about why men have 50% less sperm than their grandfathers did and provides insights on how to build community around a brand. If you like what you're hearing on the Stairway to CEO podcast, don't forget to click subscribe, leave us an awesome review, and check us out on stairwaytoceo.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Ronit. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. I'm so glad we're able to finally do this. I'm so excited. I'm excited to hear your story in building WeNatal. And I remember we had coffee in Malibu and we were talking about your story, I think, in building the company. And I'm excited to share it with the audience. But I guess before we get going, let's talk about your childhood and a little bit about you growing up. Where are you from originally? So I was born in Los Angeles and I lived in LA until I was about nine years old. And then my family and I moved to Israel. So I went from being a super sheltered child who went to private school, who then moved to Israel. And if you know anything about Israel, children there are very free. They're very just like open and free. And I don't want to say aggressive, but it was very much a big culture shock for me and a big culture change. 
And I lived in Israel until I was about 20 years old. In Israel, you go to the Israeli army. So I did that as well, which was... You were in the army? I was in the army. What did you do in the army? Did you learn? Did you shoot guns? I did shoot guns, not on a regular basis. <laughs> You're looking at me like, obviously. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> no, during, during our trainings, we did that. My job was a, a kind of office job, but the truth is, is going to the army for me was a huge opportunity for growth because all of a sudden I went from being my own person to somebody where you are told what to wear, what to eat, when to eat, when to sleep. It's crazy. And so I grew up really fast during those two years that I was in the army. You know, that's my husband was in the army. He grew up in Germany and it's probably similar there where everybody has to do it. And there's so much structure and things that you can learn and grow from, from that experience. So it's fascinating to kind of hear you have a similar experience as as he did, I think, because it's pretty young that you do that, right? Like, well, how old were you when you... um, I was like, not even 18, towards the end of like 17 and a half. Wow. Yeah. So that's like high schoolers here in the US, like just going straight into the army before the workforce. Exactly. And it's kind of like most Israelis, well all Israelis go to college after the army. So by the time you go to college, you're not there to party. You're there to learn. You're there to, you're like mature. You know what you want in life. So it's definitely very different. So do you like skip the party phase, you think? Because the army, I can't imagine there's much partying going on, right? It's like pretty, I guess this partying gets skipped. No? It doesn't get skipped. It's earlier. So. <laughs> oh, right. Because you got can you go you can drink earlier, I guess. Because in the US, you can right? drink earlier. Yeah. And I think because of that, it's actually not a big deal. I think there's so much less obsession around drinking and partying because <laughs> yeah. it's just right. part of your culture. And yeah. you're sitting at dinner with your family and you could drink wine. Like that's right. totally fine. Or a beer. Deal? Right. Exactly. In the US, it's such a big deal. It's like hidden from you until you're of age or or you're trying to sneak around and get it. And it creates this like, I mean, maybe hopefully it's not like that anymore. I think like, you know, Gen Z and whatnot, they don't care about drinking as much as my generation did. But it was like college was the party place. (laughs) Totally. Totally. That's crazy. Well, okay. So what did you study in school or what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a kid and you were thinking about your future? What did you want to be? So when I was a kid, my parents owned women's fashion retail stores. And growing up, we would always travel to Italy and France and all over the world with them to help them with their buying for their stores. And so I was exposed to fashion at a really early age. And growing up, I thought to myself, I want to be a fashion designer. And but I also always kind of because both my parents worked and my mom actually worked a lot, I always kind of imagined myself as a businesswoman. So I honestly had had that vision for me from a very young age. That's awesome. It's really cool that you had that example of a businesswoman to be able to say, hey, I want to be like that. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, my mom, my parents, I don't know how they did this. They, they actually owned their businesses together. She was a businesswoman and yet she was very much like present at home and a great mom. And so was my dad. So 
And it could be that living in Israel where there's a little bit more work-life life balance. And, you know, when you have a retail store in Israel, they close from two to four. So they would always be at home having lunch with us every single day and having dinner with us every day. And so they were very present, even though they worked really hard. That's great. And did you have any siblings growing up? Yep. We're a family of four. I have an older brother, a younger brother, and a younger sister. So I'm the second one. All right. And what were the dynamics with the siblings? What was it like? So even though I was the second, I was kind of like the mature big sister. (laughs) My older brother is amazing, but he definitely, you know, wasn't necessarily the responsible one growing up. And my sister is nine years younger than me. And so I think from the moment that she was born, I took on this persona of being like her big sister, but almost like so maternal. So I was very much like a mature kid throughout my whole childhood. And the dynamics, you know, it was also, I just think back to like our early childhood and for many years before my sister was born, it was me and my brothers. And so I was kind of like, almost like a tomboy because I was hanging with them and I was doing whatever they wanted to do and I would fight with them. And so I think like fast forward when I went to business school and it was 30% women and 70% men, I never felt weird or awkward being around a lot of men. I never thought like, I'm just a woman, you know, I'm just like a woman in business. I always looked at myself as an equal. And so I think growing up with brothers really helped. That's interesting. That's interesting you say that. I feel the same way about, but I don't have brothers. I just have the relationship with my dad who kind of always made me feel like my voice mattered, would ask my opinions on things, especially work-related, and really kind of lifted me up in those situations where I feel like if I didn't have that strong bond with my dad, I probably would maybe like shy away from the, the guys' groups. But instead, I've felt like an equal, just like you do with your brothers. <laughs> you know? Totally, totally. And so looking back, I guess, at your childhood from an entrepreneurial lens, where do you see maybe some things that you did growing up that point back to, hey, I think I've always been an entrepreneur. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I think so. First of all, my parents having their own business and us being super involved in their business from traveling with them to buy the clothes that they would sell to just working in the store at all times. I feel like just having parents as an example that were entrepreneurs made me seem like that was the way that you just make money. And the truth is, it was only until I went to business school that I thought or I knew anything about corporate America. And then also just being entrepreneurial in the sense that like, for instance, I made scrunchies with a friend and sold them at a farmer's market. These are just things that we did. And thinking back, I was like, okay, yeah, that was pretty entrepreneurial going to like a farmer's market in Israel and making these like cute scrunchies with flowers and selling them. Yeah. 
I, I've had a lot of, you know, almost 150 episodes, well, 150 plus episodes now on the show. And a lot of the founders and entrepreneurs I've had have had parents that were building a business and let them be, they were involved. And so after these conversations, I'm like, wow, what a gift it is. If you're an entrepreneur and you have kids, you're really showing them a path that they wouldn't otherwise see. And then they get to be part of it too. I think it's so cool and important. It's such a great learning lesson for totally. kids. And, you know, for 15 years before starting We Natal, I was not an entrepreneur. Technically, I worked for corporate America and always had employers and my brothers are actually entrepreneurs. And I always thought to myself, that's so interesting that they're entrepreneurs and I'm not. And I always totally thought that I would be. And I think that my entrepreneurial spirit and me kind of being able to roll up my sleeves and do any task at hand really allowed me to thrive within the different jobs that I had within Nike, within Hurley, within all of the jobs that I've had, because not everyone is willing to roll up their sleeves and do anything that's needed. But when you grow up with like parents that are like literally sweeping the floor, cleaning the windows, you know, that business is not just all glamorous. Right, exactly. So what are some of those jobs? What did you study in school? And what was your what were your first few jobs after college? So I went to UCLA undergrad, I moved here on my own after the Israeli army. I got a job as a fashion designer, assistant designer, right? So I was in the fashion industry. Sorry, real quick. I'm wondering, did you always want to come back to LA because you were here as a as a tiny little girl? Is that was that something you always kind of as you were in Israel wanting to come back to? I think knowing that kind of LA is a mecca of fashion, but also I had this dream of going to UCLA. I think just growing up in LA, you have this like UCLA pride. And I knew I wanted to go to UCLA. So I moved here on my own and I literally like bought a car on my own off the recycler. Do you remember the recycler where people used to buy cars out of a book oh. and you'd go to people's house <laughs> yeah. and buy a car from them? So I literally did that on my own when I was 20 years old and I got a job as an assistant designer and, you know, it was great and it was creative and it was fun, but I also realized that it wasn't exactly what I wanted. And so then around the same time, I applied to UCLA, I got in, I studied psychology because I've always loved just people. I also studied math because I was just like really good at it. So I was like a double major, psychology and math. And I loved being in academia. I was in there for five years. I graduated in, with top honors. And then I just kind of was kind of at a crossroads and wasn't sure if I was going to stay and go down this route of academia. But at that point, I just felt like I was so much older because think about it. I started college at such a later age in comparison to my peers. And I felt like, now spending another five years in academia, get to my PhD, and then literally make no money. I was like, I don't know if this is for me. And so I decided to go down a different path. And I went and I got my MBA at USC. And at USC, my focus was marketing and strategy and really my goal in going to USC was to try to get a job within a brand that I really felt connected with. And to my surprise, 
there weren't that many that were coming to school. They were all the big brands that were hiring MBAs were like Taco Bell or Nestle. And I'm very much um, always been into health and wellness. And none of that seemed aligned to me. And so one big lesson and one thing that I share with a lot of people that go and get their MBA is, you know, I had all of these, my peers around me that were going and networking and applying to like every job under the sun. And for me, for my internship, I applied to one internship. And in a way they say, don't put all your eggs in one basket, but I actually say, put all your eggs in one basket or maybe two or three if you want that extra insurance. But I applied for a job at Nike and I got it as an internship. And then when I graduated from USC, I actually got a full-time job at Nike because just so happened that my boss for my internship was going on maternity leave and she thought I'd be a great fit for an interim role. And then that interim role became a full-time job. So I'd say like my early career was really at Nike. I was there for about eight years between Nike and Hurley. Hurley is a subsidiary of Nike. And another big learning from my MBA was, I remember we had a class once and it was about networking. And I thought to myself, I remember saying, I don't understand. That sounds so fake. Why would anybody network? Just build relationships. And throughout my career, I've really been, and maybe it's because I'm a people person. I love community. I love connecting people. I love helping people. So I've really throughout my career, and even when we think now of WeNatal and the launch of WeNatal and why it's been so successfully organically, is really because of the power of the relationships that I've built throughout my life. So I think it's really important for people, even if they're in their 20s and they have no idea what they want to do, and they have no idea if they ever want to be an entrepreneur, just build relationships because you never know how these people around you will be able to add value to your life at some point. Right. It's so true. Or even indirectly, they happen to know someone who can be helpful. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there on the relationships piece. I'm a big relationships person as well. So tell me about, you know, Nike, Hurley, what your roles were there and some of the the things that you've learned that have helped you as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So Nike was an amazing place, Nike and Hurley, to learn for me, to learn about brand experiences. You know, if you think about what a premium brand experience is like, a brand, these brands obsess about every single element and I was so grateful that early in my career, that was really the foundation to what I've learned. And I started off in marketing. And actually, after a couple of years at Nike, I transitioned to Hurley, which is a surf brand that at that point was a subsidiary of Nike. Nike no longer owns Hurley, but back then they did. And I worked at Hurley for five years. And the first two years, I was a marketing manager And then I became, after two years, I became a director. And then after three years, I became a VP of strategy. And so I climbed the ladder very, very quickly at Nike Inc. And 
I just think back of like, how did I grow so quickly within such a big company? And I think it goes back to this entrepreneurial skill set where I was always, you know, willing to contribute and always willing to work. But it's also this mentality of I was never afraid to go and speak to the CEO, go and speak to the upper level people. And I think part of it is my upbringing in Israel. I don't know if you know the term like Israeli chutzpah. Chutzpah is like when you, you know, I think coming from Israel where people are very much like in your face, you kind of have to be a little bit of like a fighter to be successful. And so coming here, I just had that in me. And another big thing was I really, because I had my student loan payments, I never really wanted my parents to help with anything. When I moved here, I wanted to be completely independent. And so I had my student loans, which were extremely high from USC. And I had to make those payments. And so I was very aggressive and I pushed really hard around my salary, around making money. And that's like another big lesson is you have to ask for what you want in your career, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're just getting a job. Anytime I pushed back on an offer, I always got what I wanted. And so I think that's a big one as well. And so then my kind of final job at Hurley was I was VP of strategy And in that job, we would work in collaboration with Nike to present our business plan for how Hurley was going to grow. And I had access to Nike's VPs and we would go and present to them. So it would be VP of North America, VP of retail, VP of brand, CEO of Nike, Mark Parker. And I was very kind of young in my career, but I had access to the top essentially. And I remember I had one strategy session with them where I looked around the room and everyone just looked tired and they were drinking coffee. And this was like 10 a.m. And this one woman who was the VP of retail was like eating M&Ms and they just looked so (laughs) unhappy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They looked so unhappy. And I thought to myself, I don't admire any of these people. They are amazing at what they do. They're brand geniuses. They are retail geniuses, product geniuses, but I don't want to become like any of them. And at that moment, I realized my career at Nike was over and I needed to find a job that was aligned with my beliefs and was aligned with how I perceive the world and something that would truly allow me to be well and healthy and have balance in life and still thrive and still be successful. And so I know you had a few other roles before starting We Needle. Maybe you can kind of tell us about those briefly and then how you came up with the idea for your business, that aha moment. Yeah. So I had a few different roles, as you mentioned, and they were all great and they were all served a purpose in my life. But I would say that the role that was probably the most pivotal in giving me the foundation to launch Weenadal was when I worked with Dr. Mark Hyman. So Dr. Hyman is a pioneer in the functional medicine space. He is a 15 times New York Times bestselling author, 
And he's basically like anyone in the wellness space looks up to this guy. And I worked with him for four years. I oversaw his private practice, the Ultra Wellness Center, and the rebrand of it, the operations of it. And when I was overseeing his private practice, I learned a lot about functional medicine and what goes into a functional medicine practice, how they can support patients. And really what functional medicine is, is medicine of the root cause. And so I learned all about that. I also worked with him on launching a couple of his books and really like my my biggest learnings from the Dr. Hyman experience was the importance of education and content when it comes to connecting with consumers. And so because that's what we did all day long, putting out content and information and and the latest research and sharing it with our community. And then the other thing that was huge from that job was I made a ton of relationships in the functional medicine space with doctors, dietitians, influencers, media. And so when the time came to launch Weenatal, it was so much easier because I had a lot of the relationships in place. But going into kind of why we launched Weenatal is in early 2020, January of 2020, I actually experienced a miscarriage. I had at the time I had a four year old and I got pregnant with my second and I had a miscarriage and I couldn't believe it because here am I who's working in the wellness space with the best doctor in the world, taking the best supplements, doing all the things right. My house completely free of toxins. I don't use plastic. I have clean makeup, clean cleaning supplies. I'm doing all the things and I had a miscarriage. And so when I asked my doctor, why did I, what is the root cause of my miscarriage? She said to me, there is no root cause. It's just common. It happens to one in four. It's very common. Just keep trying. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to keep trying because this was literally the worst thing that ever happened to me in my entire life. I want to know how I can improve my egg quality. Because at that point, I kind of took the blame on myself. And I thought to myself, you know what? You're 41. Your eggs are old. You're old. And this is why it happened. So I read this book about how to improve my egg quality. And in that book, there was a chapter about sperm and how 50% of miscarriages happen because of sperm quality. And I was like, how come nobody is talking about this? Like, it makes sense if you think about it, but nobody is talking about it. But the biggest aha was how easy it is to improve sperm quality. Because with antioxidants, you can really reverse the effects of the everyday stress that damages sperm. So oxidative stress that comes from diet, lifestyle, all of those things can be reversed. And you can really transform all of the different sperm parameters with antioxidants. And so also, I didn't share this, but around the same time, my best friend from Nike, Vida, had a miscarriage as well. And so I called Vida and I said to her, we need to launch a men's prenatal. And this is a no brainer. And we started to go down the route of a men's prenatal. But in doing so, we started to learn a little bit about the 
the the industry and we saw that the women's prenatal market while we thought was it was it's so saturated there is so much competition but we saw that there was a huge gap in the marketplace the prenatals were either very expensive the good prenatals were either very expensive and had a lot of capsules so many people are not going to take eight capsules per serving, especially in their first trimester where they could barely eat like food. (laughs) You're like throwing up and feeling sick. Yeah, exactly. Or you have these kind of easier to take better brand experience prenatals, but the dosages are too low to make a difference. They don't have the right nutrients. They're full of fillers, colors, and they have ingredients that are in the wrong forms. So forms that are not absorbable. And we thought like everybody needs access to a good quality prenatal and we want them to have the best brand experience in doing so. So that's kind of how we started to go down the route of a women's prenatal because, and that's really how we natal was born, the his and the hers. And, you know, just on top of our own personal experience, we realize that there's a huge fertility crisis going on. And I don't know if you know about this, but one out of five couples are having troubles conceiving in the first year. One out of four women are having miscarriages. And then on the men's side of things specifically, sperm counts are on the decline. A man today has 50% less sperm than their grandfather. And so something is going on in the environment or in our lifestyle that is reducing these sperm counts and testosterone is on the decline. And so we thought this goes beyond our story. This has now became our mission. And so in March of 2020, that's when we started to develop Weenadal for him and for her. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. When was the last time you looked in your spice drawer? If you're like me, you probably have to look at it every time you cook, which is a lot. And it looks like a complete disaster. Different size seasonings, different brands, it's a mess and totally uninspiring. That's until I discovered Evermill, the most beautiful and inspiring spice rack I've ever seen. And it looks gorgeous both on your countertop for everyone to see and compliment, or it looks great in your spice drawer too. Not to mention, they send you refills in compostable packets that you can get delivered straight to your door simply by sending a text message. So if you're looking for an amazing gift idea, you have to check it out. They also just released two new products, a white marble salt well and an aluminum pepper mill perfect for the person who you think has everything. You can get 15% off by using the promo code stairway15 on evermill.com. That's 15% off site-wide for the first time ever using the code stairway15 at evermill.com. Do you struggle to find time to go to the gym or even just work out at home somehow? What about the ugly weights you're probably hiding in your closet or under your bed? Out of sight, out of mind. Am I right? Meet Equipped, a female-founded luxury fitness brand with a no-pressure approach to movement that creates gorgeous weights that look so good, you can place their U-shaped weight called the U-bar on your coffee table and your friends will probably think it's a new art piece. Or if you're on the go, just throw on their U-wrap super stylish vegan leather ankle weights so that you can get a little workout in while running your errands in style. 
Featured in everything from Vogue to the Financial Times, Equipped makes it easier to move through life. And if you're looking for a great gift idea this holiday season, you can get 20% off on EquippedMovement.com using the promo code STAIRWAY20. That's 20% off luxury fitness equipment using the code STAIRWAY20 on EquippedMovement.com. Thank you so much to our amazing sponsors. I hope you're able to take advantage of these exclusive deals designed just for you. Now let's get back to the show. That's awesome. It's such an incredible story. And we talked about this over coffee. You know, I had a miscarriage myself last year and it's so crazy how, A, you just don't think it can happen to you, right? You're just like, I'm a healthy person yeah. and there's no reason that would happen. And then it it can happen and you're like, oh my God. And then there's just no reasons for it, which is... I think one of the hardest parts, because you're just like, where's the why? I, I want an answer to this. Why? Why did this happen? How can I prevent this from happening again? It's one of the worst experiences ever. So you don't want it to happen again. And you're left with no information at all as to what to change, what to do better, and how to try to prevent it from happening again. It's just terrifying. They're like, oh, you just try again. It's just nothing you can do. Oh, I don't know. You're like, it's just one in five, which you said one in four. I've heard one in five. And it's scary. It's it's a really scary it's number. Scary. <laughs> it's scary. No that, number, that number yeah. actually goes up as we age. But this is exactly why we launched Weenadal and our company goes beyond just the supplement, right? We are really there to empower people with education. And we're very lucky to have like a top notch advisory board of doctors and nutritionists that have shared with us, what are the things that you need to do preconception? So before you can conceive it's such a window of opportunity for both men and women. And we are so, we're like obsessed about talking. First of all, we talk about sperm all day long. It's so funny. We talk, and I'm like talking to my dad about sperm over dinner. And, you know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. and we have, it's become our mission to really educate people about this window of opportunity because for women, the 100 days before you conceive is the time that the egg is maturing. And during that time, it's really important for the environment to have all the nutrients that's needed and to, you know, not have all of those stressors or toxins. And so we always talk about the three months at least before conceiving for women. And then for men, they have an awesome opportunity because every 72 days, they regenerate new sperm. So if your sperm is like horrible, you can completely have a different batch of sperm in essentially two to three months. And so for men, it's even more of an opportunity because we're born with the eggs that we're born with. We can improve the quality of how it matures, but the sperm on the flip side, they're regenerating new sperm all the time. And so why not get the man involved? Why not at the very least take a prenatal full of antioxidants, CoQ10, zinc, all the nutrients that we know support sperm count, concentration, motility, morphology. So that's that's why your story and our story, we, you know, you and I completely bonded over it because it is just such a terrible, isolating time. And the other thing is. We don't want people to feel alone. Oh, my gosh. 
And you feel so alone when it happens. It's just one of those things like it took me months, I think, to talk about it, to even tell anybody that it happened. And then when you talk about it, all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, me too. I had it too. And you're like, what? Like, I wish I knew that. I would have come out and wanted to talk to you earlier, you know, but no one talks about it. It's really crazy. No one talks about it. And I will tell you, like when we launched We Natal, we weren't sure like how vocal we would be about our story because- Mm. We natal and prenatal supplements are not just about like, if you had a miscarriage or if you have difficulty, take these prenatals. It's really about optimization. And like anybody, Mm -hmm. even if you're healthy, even if you know you can conceive, you should be optimizing, you should be building those nutrient reserves. So we weren't sure if we would, would share our story, but I will tell you, when we did share our story for the first time, we did this reel and it went viral. And like, people really felt so grateful and constantly email us. Thank you so much for sharing your story. By the way, both Vita and I had healthy kids after our miscarriages. We both put our husbands on this like crazy supplement protocol that we pieced together before we had we natal from like other brands. And so I had my miscarriage in January, 2020. And then I gave birth to Emma in December, 2020. So Emma is my two-year-old and Vita has a daughter as well. Who's a little younger than Emma. And so, yes, we talk about it because it gives people hope. And, you know, sometimes hope is also something so important and just staying mentally grounded which is also another key to fertility is just like the impact of stress and the day to day. And so we also have created a a journal, which I don't know if you had a chance to like peek in the journal. I mean, it's incredible. I don't know how you guys put this all together. The journal that comes with the two, you know, vitamins for her, for him. I mean, in the packaging, we can go in the whole thing, but focusing on the journal here, it is really beautiful what you guys put together and you have, I'm grateful for, there's affirmations in here. It's really like this incredible kind of fertility, like getting ready for having a family. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's so, even if you have like literally no issues, it could be such a stressful time, any ultrasound, any doctor appointment. So we put that out there because there's definitely a mind body connection and we wanted to be able to support people's mind and spirit. Yeah. I mean, it's stressful even when you've never had a miscarriage. Like my first, I mean, luckily he's so healthy and he's wonderful and we had a great experience, but it was terrifying the entire time. I I remember being pregnant and being like, I don't understand. I wish I could be one of the women that love being pregnant. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Where's their, like their joy. And they're just like, oh, everything's great. I feel great. I look great. I never felt any of that. I was like, I can't wait till this is over. (laughs) I know. Get them out. Let's go. Exactly. Exactly. I feel you. I was exactly the same way. It's so funny that there's like so many different types of personalities and experiences. I mean, and I had a very easy, I would say, pregnancy, right? Like there was like, it's it was fine, but it was just terrifying the whole time. And maybe that was just my personality around like trying to bring a human into the world, which is like a totally another level of I mean, <laughs> responsibility. It's a lot, right? Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but going to the product, I mean, the branding you have is so beautiful. The color palette you have for the packaging for the her and the him capsules and the, and I love that it's refillable. You have these like beautiful cases that you've created and you've even thought to do like a to go kind of carry on bag, take with you, add in your purse 
little container as well for when you're traveling, right? Is that how you kind of, is that how you thought about it? Yep. We really wanted to make it easy for people to remember to take their prenatals. Like, I don't know about when you were pregnant, like we were hiding our prenatal boxes, like they were so ugly, right? So we wanted to create a prenatal that you can keep on your kitchen counter or your bathroom or wherever in your house that looked beautiful. So you can remember to take it. And then the refillable, the monthly refillable packets was important to us because we were taking a prenatal with like these pouches that we were throwing out these plastic pouches every single day. And we felt like it was so wasteful. Here we are trying to create healthy little humans. We want to leave a healthy planet for them, right? And so we actually recently did the math and we, by creating this system, we were able to save over 500,000, 500,000 plastic, daily plastic packets. Wow. By creating this system. So, you know, that sustainability is a big one for us too. And just making sure to make it easy. So people on the go, a man can put that like a narrow thing in their pocket you could throw it in your purse. People love our travel containers. They are really cute. And the color palette is awesome. And I love the gold fonts. And yeah, the branding is just awesome. So congratulations on creating such an awesome product. And I'd love to kind of... And so, so just so I know also in the audience, you're saying it's best to kind of start the wee natal vitamins with your partner around, what, 100 days before actually trying. Exactly. Think about it as like... Three months before you try to conceive, nourish your body with a high nutrient prenatal, like we natal, eat a clean diet. Mediterranean diet actually has been shown to improve fertility in both men and women. So Mediterranean diet full of like colorful fruits and vegetables and grass fed protein, eggs, super important. And then it's like thinking about your house is a place that you want to welcome in a pure child and creating that environment for that pure child, right? So it's your cleaning supplies and making sure that they're non-toxic. I'd say like the two big things is get investing in an air filter because there's so much, we're spending so much time indoors and research actually shows that it's the air quality is like so much worse indoors than it is outdoors. So investing in a good air filter. And then the second thing is getting really good water. So either investing in a reverse osmosis or we have mountain valley water delivery that comes in glass containers. I'd say those are, those are the things. And we share a lot of tips about how what couples could do during this preconception time frame. If anybody wants to go to wenatal.com slash guide, we'll send them nine free tips for what to do within that time frame. That's awesome. I kind of waited until I realized I was pregnant to like start detoxing all the chemicals and not using all the chemical products and the makeup and the hair and the shampoos and the cleaning supplies. And but that is what I mean by stressful. <laughs> it's a total lifestyle shift of like, I can't put that on my face. Don't want to eat this. Can't have that. Just different mentality of trying to take care of what's in your body. Yeah. But also I just want to say like, it's never too late, right? If someone doesn't do those things during the preconception and they find out they're pregnant, okay, start now. 
No big deal. That's the motivation right there. Yeah. Exactly. And so so on the business side of things, can you talk about, you know, when you launched and how you prepared for a successful launch, how that went, and maybe some of the challenges you've experienced along the way in, in building this company? Yeah. So we launched in April 2022. So it took us two solid years of R&D and building the brand experience and the website and all of the things that go into launching a product. And, you know, you've spoken to many founders, so you yeah. know what it takes. Yep. And I would say since launching WeNatal, I have so much respect to every single founder out there. And anytime I walk into like an air one and I meet a founder, I always buy their product because so much goes into it. But really, I'd say the foundation of kind of like how we launched WeNatal is, first of all, we built a really solid advisory board, including Dr. Mark Hyman, Kelly Levesque, who's a celebrity nutritionist, Bridget Tigemeyer, who's a functional medicine dietitian, Lisa Dreyer, another functional medicine dietitian who works with Dr. Hyman, Kathy Swift, who's... I would say the mother of functional nutrition. And so we we brought these people on board and gave them equity. And some of them actually also separately invested in WeNatal because they so believed in what we were doing. And in launching, we really leveraged their networks, their word of mouth, their platforms, their social media, there's new their new newsletter list to get the word out there about WeNatal. And so we're about 11 months into WeNatal and we have never spent a penny on marketing as far as like any paid ads or ever, anything. It's all been organic. And then the other thing that we did is really built our content library. We invest so much in our blog content, in social media content, in our newsletters, because it's so overwhelming and confusing, the information out there. You look online, you're so confused, like, yeah. Can I eat cheese? Can I not eat cheese? You know, like, <laughs> sushi? can yes, I eat no. sushi? Yes, yeah. exactly. Coffee. And so we, exactly. It's a lot. So we are really leaning on our experts to put out the information that is the latest in science and the most recent and the most useful to our consumers. So it's really like building that. And I would say some challenges. Well, we have a few. I'd say like our biggest challenge and and one thing that I always tell founders is it's super important to like listen to your gut. Anytime that we had kind of like this gut feeling about like working with somebody and then we were like, okay, just trying to be nice. Okay, let's keep working with them. We were always disappointed. So like one big challenge for us was our website and when we invested a lot of money in our website and we had some like red flags in the beginning with the people that we hired and we could have kind of shifted and gone with someone else but we tried to make it work with them and needless to say the experience was just like terrible so our website is and and I don't know I feel like any founder I talk to always, always, always. I mean, I've never heard one of them who's like, I love my web designer and developer, like never one. <laughs> but I would say like listening to your gut, like anytime we kind of kind of pushed away our gut feeling, we always experience some challenges. So that's like a big one. 
What were some of those red flags that you're thinking about or that you noticed early on? Well, their initial design for our homepage, we hired this amazing brand designer. Her name is Katie Forner for our overall brand. And they had like really great brand direction and their initial designs were completely off. Like we were shocked when we saw it. And so instead of just saying, cutting it there, we said to them, you know what? We'll have our brand designer design a homepage for you and then draft off of that for the entire website. And so we went down that route, but then of course there were like, their ego was a little bruised and it was never the same in working with them. And also, yeah. So I'd say like that was the biggest red flag. And also like they were just so great before we signed with them. And once we signed, they were just like not great anymore. So I feel you on that. And it's so important to cut it early. I remember I recently worked with a uh, podcast production company for a second. And I there was a there was just so, too many early red flags. And I always think that if red flags are happening that early in the process, just imagine what the rest is going to be like. And something with like podcasting, they're like, oh, no, once we get the hang of it, it's going to be fine and blah, blah, blah. This is just like a transition phase. And I'm like, no, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. This is not how this should go. This is way too easy to get right the first time. And the fact that I have to keep making these small, obvious things that need to be changed or whatever, it's just... I just was like, we need to cut it now. (laughs) You know, and they're like, what can we do to win back your business? We'll do anything. Give us another chance. We'll discount this. And I was like, sorry, not going to do it. Like too many years of experience in business to like realize where this train is headed and it's nowhere near I want to go. Like I need to cut my losses quick and move on quick. Yeah. Yeah. So the faster you can do that, the better. Yeah, I agree. So talk to me about, you know, before we wrap up here, fundraising and what is next for We Natal? Yeah. So we did a small friends and family round before launching. And we honestly did that because we had a lot of people in the wellness space who were asking to invest in We Natal. And we weren't sure, and we we're still not sure like what route of fundraising we want to go, but For now, we're bootstrapped and we're fine and we're doing good. So we're going to stay down that route and continue to work towards profitable growth. And what's next? Super excited that we're launching a fish oil in about a month. And it's going to be an awesome fish oil, super clean, super easy to take, easy to swallow, no burp. You know, if anyone has taken a fish oil, they know it could be a not fun experience. Yeah. (laughs) And so we're launching that. And then another big thing for us is to continue to build around community for WeNatal. And so we've launched a private Facebook group for our members. We are, our goal is to have a bunch of like grassroots events and really connect with people on a deep level and be there to support them. All of our subscribers get a free nutrition consult with our expert team. And so we just want to keep developing that. Like how else can we give back to our consumer? How else can we support them? How else can they feel like we're part of their village? Right. That's awesome. That's wonderful. And before we wrap, what is some final advice that you have for entrepreneurs that are thinking about quitting their job to start the company of their dreams, or you know, maybe they're in the trenches right now building their business? 
Yeah, I'd say, first of all, we talked a little bit about this. Relationships are everything. And building those relationships early in your career and no matter what job you're in, there's always someone that will somehow pop back into your life. And so building relationships is key. I'd say one that I share with a lot of people is get an amazing co-founder. My co-founder and I have the best relationship, even though both of our backgrounds is marketing and brand. She loves to do all the stuff I hate to do. And I love to do all the stuff she hates to do. So finding someone and also someone that can push you and pick you up, like it's not easy to do this. You know, if you think about it, two years of launching We Natal, I didn't make a penny for two years. And it's like no joke to leave corporate life with benefits and a high salary and all of those things to like literally make zero. So having someone that can push you and support you is key. The other thing is we have become very friendly with a lot of other entrepreneurs and like, it's been such a pleasure because entrepreneurs are so willing to help other entrepreneurs because they're like in it. So find a few that are like maybe a few steps ahead of you and then find a few that are a few steps behind you and help them. So I think that's kind of, you know, and then also do do what you love and it will never feel like work. Vida and I often work on Saturdays together because she's, by the way, still in her corporate job juggling Nike and Weenadal. And so a lot of times we'll do like a full day session on Saturdays. We call it bestie days. Our kids play with each other. We work and we just love it because the work doesn't feel like work. That's awesome. And then when we get all the feedback from our community, like, you know, I've been through 11 rounds of IVF and, you know, your supplement really helped me and yada, yada. It's just so gratifying. So when you do what you love, everything falls into place. That's so rewarding to hear those customer testimonials and know that you're, you're helping people. That's amazing. I love what you guys are doing. Congratulations. And I'm so excited to see all of your progress and we'll have to have coffee in Malibu soon. I would love that. <laughs> Good to see you. Thanks again for being Thank on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Stairway to CEO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lee Green. And if you have any burning business questions, please feel free to reach us at www.stairwaytoceo.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show, tell your friends, leave us a review, and follow us on Instagram at Stairway to CEO. Until next time, guys, keep on climbing.